0: Hello and welcome everyone to our 32nd session of Hello Casa. My name is Michael and t- today I'll be talking to Pamela J. Goodwin from Plano, Dallas, Texas. Plano is a city close to Dallas and has been one of the favorite areas to live in due to its proximity to Dallas, its high living standards, fantastic education and great job opportunities. It is also right now one of those destinations people choose when they decide to leave California and to you know, decide to move to Texas for better Um, life quality and lifestyle and also value for money. But since I'm not from Plano myself and Pamela is, so I'll directly give the word to Pamela. And uh, Pamela, welcome to the show and why don't you introduce yourself quickly?
1: Hi, thank you so much here from Plano, Texas that was recently voted voted one of the happiest, it was voted number one happiest city. And so Plano is a great city where about 20 miles north of downtown Dallas, so about 30 minutes, but it's always been rated one of the top cities in the entire country for one of the safest, great place to do real estate, and as you mentioned, in your opening, a lot of people are moving here from California, because there's a lot of advantages here.
0: Great. Um, you yourself, you're from Plano and uh, you also are obviously a real estate broker, so why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your journey towards real estate and then we are uh, later going to move a little bit to, to Plano and go a little bit uh, deeper on that topic.
1: Sure, well, I after graduating I, I actually have a degree in interior design and I always wanted to do commercial design and specifically hotel design. And I did that for about a, a a year. I graduated from the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, which were the Cornhuskers, mm-hmm. and I took that interior design gr- degree. And for the first half of my career, I worked for large shopping center development companies. I lived in Omaha, then relocated to Baltimore, Maryland, to work on a large. Um, expansion project, four levels, adding large department stores. Then I moved to Southern California, Los Angeles, and worked on a variety of shopping centers and kind of dabbled in the entertainment business, working for a couple casting directors on TV shows. So that taught me a lot about rejection, which was interesting. And then 23 years ago, a company from Los Angeles who bought a large shopping center. It was hit by the 1994 Northridge Earthquake, and that company moved me to Dallas to oversee all of their seven shopping centers, and we've been here ever since, so it's it's been a great place for real estate. My boss thought, you know, if you don't like it, in a few months you can move back to Southern California, and we've been here ever since. Married and two sons, 19 and almost 18 years, so it's been a great place to do business and a great place to raise a family.
0: Wow, that's great. From interior and, and uh, designer, uh, uh, and also from Nebraska um, via via Los Angeles uh, TV host, and then uh, ending up in in Plano. A very lucky, lucky shot. I assume uh, that you now have the privilege to live in Plano. Um, tell us a little bit about the gig as a TV producer, and also I assume like you were. Directly all in concerning Hollywood and uh, and uh, um, very a lot of bling bling uh, over there. How can I imagine uh, this lifestyle over there?
1: In Los Angeles or in Dallas? In
0: Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, La- it was it was a you know really really great place to live. When I first moved out there, I was single and just loved being by the beach, and it was you know just a really diverse place to live so I was able to meet a lot of people and even now living in Dallas it's become with a lot of people moving from California now to Dallas is definitely making it a lot more diverse city here and so that's exciting for us and a lot of large corporations moving here too recently so Dallas is just booming and traffic to me seems almost when they complain about the traffic in Los Angeles we have it here now in Dallas too so
0: that's interesting because, in fact, you're really. I think we're at this at the beginning of the entire um, movement from California to to Texas when, it like, more or less, like, started. Um, how can you describe us a little bit? The difference between like 20 years ago and and now Dallas itself and also maybe Plano.
1: All right. So when we first moved to Plano, there's one section where. It was at the tollway, which doesn't mean too much to you, but with, tollway and Parker and then nothing north of that. It was pretty much fields. And if you can see what's built there now, you know, huge shopping centers, office buildings, residential homes. I mean, just, it seemed like it happened overnight, the massive amount of growth all to the north of us, almost going to the Oklahoma border. So it's really, really changed. but. You know, Plano, you know, being in this area has just always been a really, really good place for growth. The nice thing is working with the city of Plano, Mm -hmm. they really promote businesses to be here. So they travel all over the world to Mm -hmm. be here. We recently, Toyota moved here from Southern California and opened up their headquarters here. That Mm -hmm. brought in more than 3,000, you know, high executive
0: people. Mm that's interesting um i also saw that like not only toyota but different different companies like walgreens i think also moved to plano uh, and and also dallas itself w- what is in fact i mean most probably it's it's texas but are there other interesting things or, or important things the the mayor and also the state itself is doing differently to to california uh which triggers this movement and also these benefits in order to to um, to set to set up the company in Texas
1: the the biggest benefits is just that you know you, the housing prices are drastically what you get here in Dallas Plano area you know you can get a beautiful brand new home for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars four bedroom you know three thousand plus square foot house brand new and a great area but the top things are really we have top education for elementary and schools as a top advantage Mm -hmm. we have no state income tax We're one of the few there may be seven or eight states and out of the United States that have no income tax and so everything is just priced a lot lower from gas to groceries to housing to safe communities you know we have everything here except for mountains or a beach a decent beach we have it on the you know on the houston side but i mean we have so much offered here and we have dallas fort worth which is our central hub american airlines is based here so you can fly direct anywhere in the world from dallas i can go you know which when i do fly over to Europe to be your part of the world i fly you know direct from on to dallas right to germany so we can fly anywhere and it's just anywhere in the states too it's, there's so many advantages here and and besides that the people everybody always comments how nice the people are it's mm-hmm. it's really nice mm-hmm
0: it's um what you mentioned also about the access i think even like domestic flights are i mean it's much more accessible if you let's say if you're a consultant or you have to travel a lot for business trips i think you're much better located than on the on the west coast because i guess that you have a flight duration of like maybe two and a half hours the at the most within the u.s while if you live like in san francisco or los angeles you might end up how much how long does it take four hours four and a half hours uh to, to the to the east coast um and yeah. so you are definitely like a w- little bit far off and also time zone wise if you have clients from from europe you might definitely have like well already like gained i think it's two hours of difference to the to the uh, pacific standard time so those most probably are also reasons why why uh, why p- companies are settling over there yeah
1: it's a it's an advantage and the Goodwin commercial. I've had my company now since two thousand and three. So or two thousand and six, excuse me, and and going on, just celebrated thirteen years in business. And even when we had the down reset recession in oh eight and oh nine, mm-hmm. Texas was pretty much number one, the strongest state that still, you know, survived well after that. So and, and it's where I mean the primary thing that Texas of you know I'm like they say I got here as fast as I could <laughs> kind of a saying but they really do make business so much easier to do when you're developing property working with the cities I, you know I've seen what happens in not to not California but it can take years or in Florida mm-hmm. some of those projects really really take a long time with so much regulation and in Texas you know it's open and that's why so many businesses are coming here and people are moving here which is great for me because those people all need to shop and they all need to eat. And since our company specializes in retail, mm-hmm. real estate, it's just been a great place.
0: Yeah. It sounds like Texas figured out the, uh, important elements, uh, for society, to, uh, for society to blossom, like strong education, um, very high level of security, good, uh, good ease of doing like high ease of doing business uh you don't need much more like also obviously like low low corporate tax rate so uh, this is like a uh virtual cycle you're you're starting and then it, it just adds up and it's getting better and better and better and you, you might right now like see the fruits out of out of these out of these regulations and the efforts which have been taken throughout the last uh, decades i assume um Tell us a little bit about your your um, your expertise and also obviously your services. Um, you are focused mainly on commercial real estate, um, but not only in Plano, through like across entire Texas. Give us a little bit of an overview what you're dedicating yourself to.
1: Right, so Goodwin Commercial is a hundred percent commercial real estate, and after working for one of the largest restaurant companies in the world, Brinker International, where I had the opportunity to learn how to develop more than 50 chilies from the ground up gave me, you know, wealth of information. So we specialize in developing single tenant lease properties, which means we will buy five acres and we'll lease it back to tenants like Walgreens, Chase, McDonald's type tenants. We also do redevelopment. And then another sector of our business is brokerage, which we primarily represent, you know, people that are investing in commercial real estate, doing a 1031 exchange. For example, I had a client who recently wanted to, he had a couple million dollars, he had just sold his business and wanted to invest in real estate. So what sets us apart is, Because of my development and background, he looked at we were looking at I suggested to him four acres of land and did a pro forma for him showing, you know, if you built a small retail center, leased it out to McDonald's, leased it out to a Chase Bank, laid it, you know, did a quick site plan on that, showed him the type of return, the multi-millions of dollars that getting tenants like that, what type of return he would be able to get. So even while we had it under contract i knew it was prime property for him and we even had an offer at a half a million dollars more for him so he was happy about that he ended up closing on the project so we also do that and then the third thing is we also do consulting work so if you happen to have a piece of land and you have no idea what to do with it or you own an office building and you want to know the most profit you can get from that we recently helped a lady who owned two acres who wanted to develop senior living. So she hired um, myself as a consultant and we were able to get her a recent $3.3 million small business SBA loan, small business loan for that, for her to develop. And I helped her, you know, do all of the due diligence and hiring the architect and civil engineer and then showed her at the very End result, which everybody always wants to know how much money they're going to make at the end. And so, you know, my expertise is really helping. I love helping small business owners also lease space or if they've been in a lease for a long time, walking them through the entire process Where turnkey, taking the time to show them the advantages of owning commercial real estate versus leasing and being your own landlord.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting, concerning, uh, I've uh, now I just uh, may um, thought about various questions while you were talking. First question is, who are those, um, who are those clients who have that much amount, that, ma- that much money, who are able to buy, you know, f- you, you were talking about five acres and, uh, and, uh, and, and purchase those. Is that, are those institutional buyers or are those also even sometimes private, private buyers?
1: I, I've i only worked with the private investor, mm-hmm. so that was a, a particular person who had sold his business yeah. and had, you know, some profit okay. return on that and wanted to do something instead of buying, worried about the stock market going on, Sure. you know, of all that, because it's a great thing that if you buy a million dollars of real estate, if you buy, you know, you need 20% down. So mm-hmm. you need $200,000 down. But if you buy a million dollars of stocks, typically you need a million dollars. So that's true.
0: That's in real true. estate. You can though. leverage it. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I, I didn't think about that. Obviously, you knew. You yeah. Know.
1: And so showing him how, you know, that was the first time he had purchased, you know, a large amount in real estate. I mean, he was a sophisticated business owner, obviously. But not in the commercial real estate world so showing him what some of these tenants pay because there's a big difference if you do a dollar general deal or if you do a mcdonald's deal yeah on that same piece of property you'll double your money you know if you do a mcdonald's deal versus you know the dollar general type tenant and it all comes down to the tenant credit and a lot of their other variables
0: i mean this is like now that you say that it's it sounds quite accessible you know it is it is not like that unaccessible when you're talking about like 200k i mean obviously like it's it's a it's a lot of money but having that one and then um calculating the roi based on 200k and not on the one million um obviously comparing that to the stock market you will most probably be much better off as you say once you have like a tenant like mcdonald's or jc Penney or walgreens or whoever it might be obviously i don't know like who are who are the the best clients there but you you might know that um you said the down payment for uh, in texas is 20 percent at least or does that um depend on the uh, cr- credit score on, of each investor
1: um it, it does vary but if you're getting a conventional loan from one of our banks it typically is 20 percent some on a land deal may require 30 percent or a little bit higher Mm -hmm. and then but sometimes if you have a tenant if you tell them you know we have a Walgreens we have here's their lease they'll take that down as the equity too and lower the amount that you have to pay down for example the lady who bought the or had the two acres planning Mm -hmm. on buying the, or doing developing the senior living, what she bought it for and then we were able to, to, the bank required her to do an appraisal, it came in so much higher in such a short amount of time that the bank used that equity that she had in her land to be able to take out that higher amount and she did not have to put any additional money down into that.
0: That's amazing.
1: And so that's what I I like to really you know I I'm teaching classes now and hosting a TV show just to really help people understand how to get into commercial real estate because there's not too many places where you can learn how to do it but I do kind of I I do want to make it accessible to people and you know being able to buy it it just takes someone kind of explaining it to you but it's just there's so many tax benefits and tax deductions and and
0: yeah, I just I mean, have to, you know uh, uh, if you don't mind because I'm I'm very ignorant concerning all this topic and maybe I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm asking some stupid questions now for you but uh, for me it is it is very uh, still very uh, challenging to wrap my head, head around how exactly like how is how is how exactly does it work and how uh, can I break down the steps. Um, you conduct in order to allow me to buy real estate, like to, to buy the acres, and then also rent it out to, to a Walgreens. Um, does it mean that you are also, obviously, I think it's super challenging to do the market research, you do the due diligence, you say, okay, what is what is uh, possible there? You have most probably also direct um, access to the network, to the, to, the, um, to, uh, to the retail stores, and then um, the paperwork with the retail stores. How does that work? Can you can you break down a little bit the steps so that I can get more or less like a clue of um, of uh, what would what what I would be facing?
1: Right. So, and I actually did put together an audio course, step by step, to to walk you through. But um, just because it is a process, and I kind of. always suggest that people need to team up. I don't know if it's a good analogy, but it would be like if you're trying to fly a plane, Mm -hmm. you're not going to do it by yourself. I mean, you see they go step by step. And that's the same thing with real estate, that you really want to team up with someone who's done it before. So, A, you can either provide the sweat equity, which means, you know, you call me and you say, Hey, Pam, I found, I always tell people to work in their community they know exactly what's missing you know what type of restaurant retail medical you know what's missing in there and and then teaming up with somebody but for example a lot of times people don't even know how to get a hold of the McDonald's mm-hmm. and, and in that case if you go to their websites almost all of the tenants are you know the national tenants or even some of the I don't know mom-and-pop type tenants mm-hmm franchisees but at typically at the bottom of their website so for example you can go down to you can google you know just find McDonald's website go to the bottom of the page to the left it'll say real estate click on that they have an entire site plan showing you exactly how many they plan on opening exactly what they're looking for and who to contact because so many of these public companies are telling their shareholders that they're opening they have to open up x amount of stores mm-hmm. So just always realize you know they're all looking for sites. They're all competing the Starbucks, the Chick-fil-A, the McDonald's, you know a lot of those tenants they want the prime locations but it, it is a process and from the ground up, you know it's not fast, it's not easy. So realistic even when we were doing our Chili's deals the quickest we could get them open or even myself as a developer, it will take from nine months. And this is raw land and mm-hmm. up to get open.
0: And and they have normally, or most probably, like some not restrictions, but s- some requirements saying, okay, you know, we please uh, arrange the land as per X Y Z. We need uh, obviously a proper street. We need uh, I don't know what. Maybe sometimes you have like a. Uh, a land which which doesn't have the infrastructure uh, which they require. So this would imply that y- the owner um, of the land would first need to make sure that all those requirements are in place. Or you or you don't even buy the place uh, by the acre, by the acre in the first place.
1: Right. So that's all negotiable. So for example, Starbucks they always like to go on the side of the street, the going to work side. Mm-hmm. They always so if you have the going to work, you know, coming back from work side, they're not going to like that piece of property. They'll go across the street going to work side. But a lot of them have requirements, like you mentioned, that they have, they have to have at least twenty-five thousand cars going in front of their space per day. They all have traffic count requirements. They Mm -hmm. all have demographic requirements, and then as far as the developer, that's all negotiable as far as how you turn over the property to them some of them will require all those utilities within five feet of the building some of them will require it to the property line and and they have a lot of brochures and information you know for example next week I'm not attending it but next week in Las Vegas is our national conference and people come from around the world it's the retail conference and that's where You'll find all of the shopping center developers. So anything that's retail related from hotels, big shopping centers, all the retail tenants, they all have their booths. And that's the place to go meet everybody. And that happens once a year in May.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the way I understand it is that you chose the most challenging sector of real estate or uh, w- which a real estate agent can choose because yeah you, ha- you you don't even have only to deal with acquiring the deals like you know getting getting someone who wants to sell and someone who wants to buy you also have to really have a strong network with your municipality i assume because you need to have like you know you have to have the road count i wouldn't even know where to get the, where, where to get all the information from or maybe you have to get like a license or a permit in order to uh, to, to do some constructions uh, on, on public spaces. And then you have to have a very strong network with all the retail uh, companies. I think it's like, it's very challenging. And it's very complex. Or am I, am I wrong? I don't know.
1: I, I, I know it's funny <laughs> that you say that because I'm always amazed and I've been in it for about 30, you know, more than 30 years now, but I'm always amazed of if people really knew how long that project took And the pure hell that they, (laughs) you hate to say that, but what they had to go through to get something open, a lot of times it amazes me that anything sometimes gets done. And I'm a very positive person, but there's a lot of steps. So that's why developing property is the most risky, but it's the most rewarding. And out of all of real estate, it's the most profitable.
0: And then you are driving across... Texas and say okay this is what I what I what I helped to create this one and this one I think this is also one of the most rewarding uh, rewarding elements when you really see okay I actually were I have been part of the of the um, development of this city and of this community isn't it
1: Oh, and that if somebody asked me what my why is yeah that's definitely what it is when and even learning from the Chili's restaurant when we would bring them to a community that only had a couple fast food and 10,000 people in their city, they would roll out the red carpet because you knew that their family community was, they were going to have a place of gathering. And so that's definitely the highlight. I worked on a project where we did Walgreens, Chase and McDonald's and I went out there about a month ago and I sat across the street at the Sonic and go, look, I, you know, I envision that's exactly what would go there, tearing down a 1950 motel that needed to go, cleaning up the city, and now having three brand new
0: locations for the people to shop and eat. You know, it is very rewarding. I, I, I guess so. And now imagine you are not doing that in Texas, but in a state where you have like very, very bad regulations and uh, the the uh, the public... Um, the public uh, institutions are, are not really helping. You have to wait and wait and wait. I think that can be very frustrating. So at least you're you're in Texas where you where you know that you get well that get things are getting done.
1: Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. It's it's getting it's getting done, and the easier it, the cities make it. Um, you know, it, it's it's exciting to see a lot of cranes happening and a, and a lot more growth going on.
0: Can can you as. Um for me, as an both as a foreigner, but also as, as someone maybe who um, who lives in different state and would like to know like the, the particularities about buying process in Texas. Um, can you walk us a little bit about like normal like if I want to buy uh, land in Texas, what would I what would be the five steps or the ten steps I have to go through? Um, and um, yeah, maybe you can lay them out like very very uh, shallowly.
1: Well, the five steps, we'll see if we can come up with five, but I know the number one is to find the right broker is key when buying land and, and that they know what they're they're doing. You don't want somebody who leases out shopping center to sell you land because land can be one of the trickiest things. It may be, let's just say $200,000 for the land, but then you don't know you know there may there's all kinds of things that you have to know to go on with it so you'd have to hire you the right broker and then to engage in a civil engineer mm-hmm. that can really help you look at the survey know where all the wet and dry utilities are the topo to see the grade elevation so hiring the right civil engineer the next step is always meeting with the city the local economic development director to meet with them um, part of the city also is the planning department to walk through exactly to make sure it's zoned correctly You know meeting with them are the key and then Having an architect or your civil can lay out a site plan to start doing a pro forma Which means analyzing all your soft hard cost land costs, so you know what can be built on that land to give you the most profit or if you're taking an existing building knowing what can go in there but really the key first person i always recommend is hiring the best broker Mm -hmm. with that expertise Mm
0: -hmm. and then obviously and the civil engineer does more or less like the appraisal in technical terms i assume and then you're 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 uh, making sure that the that uh, everything's legal and everything you want to you want to construct is also even possible kind of i assume
1: Right. Throw, yeah. Throwing in there also really, that's a good point, but you definitely want to have a really good real estate attorney mm-hmm. to, you know, make sure the when you do go under contract, all the legal, you know, are, are addressed on it. Yeah. So, and, and you know, having actually, a, I have about six key consultants that I know exactly who to go to when I'm looking for, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: acquiring property myself or a building. Okay. and to make sure you're completely protected
0: okay and then once i once everything is good I, I say okay i want to buy it or to which institution do i go maybe you know most of the american people know that but me me being german i i'm not really aware of the of the um, of the process in, in the us so that might be interesting for me as well like do i go to the local municipality to the to the language reg- registry how does that work
1: as far as when you're ready to purchase it yeah so here in the states you would it all goes through a title company Mm -hmm. and so once you have your purchase contract executed buyer you're the buyer you have it executed with a seller Mm -hmm. then it goes into escrow Mm -hmm. you put a certain amount of money down on the property Mm -hmm. once it's an escrow title is kicked off and that kind of kicks the ball rolling and depending on if you have Thirty days or ninety days to do your due diligence. Okay. You know, before you buy the property. And then during that time, you'll either I don't you know, either paying cash for it or getting a conventional loan, or you've teamed up with friends and family, you know, to use private money to be able to once you do all your due diligence, have another thirty days before you close on it with the title. Company handles all the paperwork for that
0: okay that's cool so the title com- company takes care of everything and I don't have to go to uh, f- 15 different institutions and getting stamps from from, from every uh, every uh, everyone in, uh, and then okay got it interesting. Yeah.
1: They take care of all that okay. most of it be- really between your real estate attorney and your title company Yeah. will handle all the correct documents that's needed to acquire the property okay. and the deed and all
0: that. Is there certain uh, tax tax rate, which is different on on land, which is where on which is no construction, then on normal property or residential uh, real estate? Um, what what for a tax tax um, tax rate can I expect during closure, during the purchasing? And is there also a recurring one um, on a yearly basis, maybe on the assets? I don't know if, if there's something like that.
1: So that the taxes It'll be based off of if, if you're just buying raw land, the property taxes are gonna be based off of just that amount. Mm-hmm. And it's typically around here in the 2.5%, 3%. Every city is completely different on what they charge for their property taxes. Mm-hmm. And you'll it'll be the pro rata share, so the seller, the title company will determine what that pro rata sh- share is depending on which month you buy it in. Mm-hmm. So if they've already paid a portion of it, you, you close in August and you have the remaining three months to pay the property taxes. The one where my buyers, they actually had an agricultural exempt on it. They were growing I think wheat or hay on it or something so mm-hmm. that they had a substantial amount of back taxes on it. Mm-hmm. I think it was close to two, an extra $200,000. So that's why doing your due diligence and in this case the seller was making the buyer pay all those back taxes that was on top of the additional sales price of the property but we knew all that up front.
0: okay so okay. No, because I- exactly so if you don't do the due diligence you're ending up like having a huge surprise and saying okay this is not what I expected and then you have like a lot of um, a lot of um, taxes which is still which is still lowing. Uh, okay, so let's say around two, two between two and and three um, mm-hmm. percent, but plus minus, let's say, okay, um, and then um, the entire processing costs. Let's say we are we having the 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 agent, we are having the, the title company, we are having the um, the um, uh, um, the civil engineer, more or less on a percentage or on on a, on in absolute terms. What can I expect when I when I go for the pro uh, for the for the for the for the purchase um, in total.
1: You, you know that that's kind of all over the board, and it's kind of really hard to mm-hmm. cal- calculate a number. Yeah. The, I it's think
0: more some of a the bit, title um, most it's it's like more a one
1: percent fee. Okay. On, okay. On all of that, but and a okay. lot of t- you know you'll have soils report. You'll have a survey you know all of those kind of vary just depends sometimes you'll have an existing survey that just needs to be modified mm-hmm. and so
0: it's case by case okay
1: mm-hmm. it's hard to really throw out a number for that on no, your that's collection
0: cost that's fine that's totally understandable um okay great interesting um, can you give me a little bit of um an idea of wow of your TV hosting, um, uh, activities, um, walk us through a little bit what you're doing, what are you dedicating yourself to? You also mentioned that you are, you are, um, you're having this course, this audio course, tell us a little about, about those, those services and those things you're doing.
1: Sure. Well, there's, you know, so many people in the United States that most people, when they think of getting into real estate, they, people tell them to start in residential real estate, not in commercial, so had this great opportunity come to me a couple months ago on, it's on ProPaleo TV, mm-hmm. and it's, you can find them on Facebook and YouTube, P-R-O-P, Pro, oh, I have to spell that pro, pro, TV, And we go, my show is all on commercial real estate. I'm currently mentoring a young person who is currently in, can you hear my lawnmower? (laughs) Um, She's currently in residential real estate, so I'm mentoring her how to get into commercial real estate. But it airs every Tuesday live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Central Time in, in the States. And we've had some excellent shows on going through the whole process of exactly how to you know work exactly what you were talking about how do I find a retail tenant what events do I go to if I wanna buy a condo what do I need to look for and so I'm mentoring on that and it's just a it's just a it's a one hour plus show and people on Facebook are able to ask questions and we've had a great
0: response on it so far that's that's amazing and most probably a lot of um potential real estate agent but also maybe already real estate agents uh, who are who are um, well conducting the 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 profession then start to realize okay it takes some while until i do my first closure so i need to have some some runway i need to have some savings maybe for the first 18 maybe even 24 months because for the during the first first month i will it will take some time and until like until i close the first deal or i start also directly with the consulting services as a site so that i already have some in uh, recurring cash flow isn't that a lot of times when when uh, when new people say okay i want to start and i wanted to start my business in real estate they they think okay within the first three months i'll already sell like three three uh three residential properties or the first commercial real estate and then they're Realizing, okay, that's actually not the, not the, um, not the reality.
1: Right. That, I mean, some projects can happen really quickly. A lot of people in residential, their client will own a restaurant, for example, I'll get those and they want to find a second location. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that way they can quickly get into commercial real estate and find a location, get a lease executed and, you know, shortest time typically is about 2 months and it can drag on even longer but you definitely the thing in commercial real estate I always say you have to have patience and you have to be persistent and it's definitely will be a payoff though if you just stick with it so it's yeah you know, when worth people it. are used to yeah it's worth it so Great. and that's yeah.
0: I mean a lot of people I think they just have don't I assume that a lot of people don't have the persistence and the perseverance to say to really stick to to it like over a couple of months or even years uh, Mm -hmm. until they really see the benefits and and the return um since you are acting and very very executing your profession across entire taxes give us your point of view and your thoughts about the developments and tendencies and trends um, in Texas, maybe not necessarily only, maybe, maybe Dallas is not, is obviously not the only city, which is like super attractive right now. Maybe there are other upcoming cities where you would say, okay, this is definitely a very nice uh, place right now to live. A lot of people are moving there. Um, are there, are there any, um, any insights you could share with us?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, we're we're based here, we're in north Texas, so pretty far north, and everything is still continuing to grow farther up north, almost to the Oklahoma border, Mm -hmm. and we do other projects throughout, but I'm finding one of the biggest trends right right now, and I've been doing a lot of research for a client of mine who actually bought a 15,000 square foot vacant building, but the It seems like the co-working spaces have really really taken off here and are opening up in a lot of office buildings and they're very very profitable so that seems to be a really really big trend here with their having events having the co-working rented by the day and it's really booming here for a lot of companies that you know they don't they don't want to set up an office office but they'll go into the WeWorks and some of those locations mm-hmm. and set up their company right there.
0: That's fantastic. That's amazing. Um, it's it's interesting interesting that even companies are preferring the WeWorks and those places and not only like you know I think it was like originally thought for freelancers to mm-hmm. to. Um, to use those places in order to have like a community lifestyle and 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 the feel of of uh, of um of um of um yeah, being at home or having a good um, good community during home uh, during work sorry what do you think is the uh, is the reason that companies are choosing the weak works nowadays uh instead of having their dedicated and exclusive office spaces. Do you think it's also because they're risk averse and don't know and maybe there are a lot of startups saying okay I don't know how long we will be able to sustain or is it also the Cisco's of the world and the and the, and the Toyotas of the world.
1: I think it's all of exactly what you mentioned and WeWork's tagline go it's something like you know you don't have to have a you know we don't want to have you on a leash instead of a lease and mm-hmm. I you know so many of those office will require a five year or a 10 year lease and exactly what you said they may be a startup and they may not be in business three five ten years so to put them on a long-term le- lease and then have a personal guarantee to be responsible and so many of the younger millennial workers they want the flexibility they want to be able to sit in an open area and and have coffee or later at that afternoon have a beer You know, they're always having events going on, so they're really gearing towards that market of flexibility and making it fun and, you know, not being held up to being in a space for a long time. And a lot of them, they've just done some really great interiors to to make it a fun place to work. They're even, you know, changing. I just went to one last week, Mm
0: -hmm. and they're
1: even having an artist come in and change the artwork and change the furniture around Mm -hmm. just so that... Nobody gets kind of tired and sick of the same Mm -hmm. place day after day. They're making it really fun. They're really having to change it out because I think everybody's um, attention span these days are really short and everybody wants to change and gets bored very quickly these days compared to (laughs) 20 years ago.
0: No, I mean, it's also as an employer, I think it's, it's a way to offer the younger generations, the Google lifestyle or work style without really needing to bother about it because imagine you would need then to hire an architect to hire maybe a chief um, people officer to know exactly like what are people or what are young or any anyone nowadays how how do they want to to work and why not just you know give it to way work they will take care of it so it's like kind of like a vertical disintegration and making giving them the expertise and say, okay, you know how, how to do it. You know the trends, you take care of everything. And we are just going to do, I don't know, we are in the automotive industry and we are just taking care of our core business. So it actually makes sense.
1: And the nice thing is like a WeWork, if you're, you, know, you you happen to be based in Dallas, you can go to the one in New York City or Los Angeles or go around the world and go on a WeWork and be able to have access anywhere Instead of setting up office, you know, in the local Starbucks and give you some privacy and give you a conference room and give you a place to go to, that that's a big advantage for a lot of people. And so, if you're looking to get into commercial real estate, you know, go find an older building. We have a design district that are taking these old industrial buildings and converting them. That's where I was at last week, converting them into a co-working space, and they have all that great brick and and all that stuff. It's a great, great business to get into, and studying the performers on that, the profitability is pretty amazing. Yeah,
0: I'm just wondering whose market are they entering. So, which one are the incumbents who now might get harmed or might lose some business uh, via WeWork existing, or because I see, like you know, the um, mm. the landowner, the construction, like the the, the construction um, companies, then the office spaces. But I don't see anyone within who are who they might be squeezing down or their margins squeezing down. Who is now like let's say losing in this game?
1: It, you know, it's really hard to tell. If if I had to if I had to guess, I would have to say it's some of the larger office developers. But they're mm. not even really losing because they're changing you know, one to two to, I've seen an office building in downtown Dallas, seven floors of a co-working space. So, yeah, um, I'm not really, I can't even think of anybody that it's really impacting to make that
0: change. Because they can just, you know, change the architecture or the interior design. And uh, I don't know, like removing the, the, the indoor, indoor walls and that's it. So I was just wondering about it. So um, what about, um, aside the commercial real estate uh, trends also societal trends so good places for example in northern texas for for families to move right now very trendy um the new i don't know maybe there's some a nice neighborhood also within dallas uh where people really right now mingle and starts um start flocking in is there is anything we should know about which is very very trendy right now
1: well, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of, well, in, you know, here in, in North Texas, it gets pretty hot in the summertime, so we have, you know, some great enclosed malls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's still it's still just booming as far as new restaurant concepts coming here that we've never had before mm-hmm. to North Texas, for example. Coming, coming, you know, from California, some of the restaurants and, and you know, I mean, I, I think it's still fairly typical where North Texas, we're definitely a sports town with the Dallas Cowboys and the Dallas Mavericks and the Dallas Stars and the Texas Rangers. So we have, you know, the primary professional sports. So sports is really, really big in Texas all the way from they start at three years old. Hmm. all the way you know through high school and then college is really really big here the sport so a lot of that is all ge- geared towards building some of the biggest football arenas for the high school. some of those arenas are bigger than most college and so everything as they say is bigger in Texas and it's, it's definitely true
0: yeah me me being german and loving basketball so i'm uh, i'm obviously a Dallas Mavericks fan with the dorowski playing playing for the mavs um, you already. Uh, oh, sorry. You also have some uh, some listings. You uh, you can describe as uh, right now on your portfolio. Why don't you uh, illustrate um, one or two of your interesting um, projects right now?
1: Sure. Well, you know we we do typically more represent the buyer than a lot of listings, but I do have one a really good location and. It's about three hours south of Dallas in a small town called Copperas Cove, Texas. We have two acres there. We actually had more property, but we sold the adjacent property next door to discount tires. And, then, and so that's two acres that we are looking for a restaurant or a fast food user. And the nice thing about that, it's right next to probably, I think, the next biggest city is Colleen that has one of the largest army bases in our country. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people live in this Copper's Cove. There's close to, I think there's 60,000 cars that pass the site, which is really key on that property. So it's perfect. I'm looking for a restaurant or possibly building you know, some type of medical office building on that. But that's a really good price and a, and a good property that I have. One, I have another one that's, off-market a national tenant the client is trying to sell that and that's kind of in the 1.7 million range so if you're in a 1031 exchange it's with the national tenant so I just have two of those listings right now perfect
0: good and always remembering the 20% down payment that's that's important to know when when talking about the uh, about the prices Um, is there anything else you would like to to share with the audience and uh, you would like to add before we wrap up
1: yeah I you know if just if you're out of the country and you want to buy property in the United States to definitely reach out to me I'm on LinkedIn under Pamela J Goodwin and post all the time on that find me on social media or my website at pamgoodwin.com but do not, my biggest thing I'm, I'm always trying to tell people is do not be intimidated by buying commercial real estate. Um, even if you don't have the 20% down, there's so many ways of creative financing in different ways that you may have equity from having it in your current homestead, or you may own other residential properties that you can use that equity down. I mean, there's, so don't My number one thing is don't ever let you stop, not buy commercial real estate because you don't have the money. Because to me, that's always the easiest part of the deal. If you have a good deal, money will come find you. That's the easiest part. So, you know, if you can have a goal to buy at least one piece of commercial real estate, if you want to build wealth in real estate, you know, or just wealth, or have a different source of cash flow income, definitely consider real estate.
0: What is, one last question, what is more or less the ROI you can, can you give any range of ROI, of annual, annual ROI uh, an investor can expect on, uh, not necessarily on the down payment, but on the, on, on the overall uh, price?
1: Well, we typically more, you know, talk in terms of cap rates
0: mm-hmm.
1: on what that return will be. And I have some investors that want to buy at a ten percent cap rate to get ten percent on their money. Mm-hmm. Some will only, if they're paying cash, you know, they're happy to get four percent return on their money. Yeah. But I would say the average investor typically wants to make, you know, that seven to ten percent on their money in real estate. And you can make a lot more than that. Um, yeah. Than that, but that's kind of just a general.
0: And that's that's net. That's after all the deductions. Let's say overhead, administration, and stuff. But let's sure. say let's say between seven and fifteen is definitely possible. Uh, also, most probably in terms of how aggressive you want to go, uh, because it obviously always re- uh, correlates with the risk. I assume.
1: Right, definitely. And then if you're developing property, it's a lot higher than that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean that's too especially right now. Like uh, concerning the the low interest rates. Uh, where else do you get like ten to fifteen percent on 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 annual uh, ROI?
1: Right, because our bank loans today they keep they've been talking about. Everybody usually asks me what I think about rate, the rise of interest rates, and for a long time they've kind of remained steady at that five percent, even lower. Mm-hmm. And so that's a bargain to to buy real estate on those terms at that price. It's it's really good. Absolutely, yeah. They haven't increased at in, in, in all. It, I, a lot of times the media will have fear that that interest rate is going up. And that's the same thing I wanted to say about they always think the retail world, everything's going online and all the online sales for retail and retail's closing up stores left and right. But it's still only typically, it, you know, I go to the reports I hear, The online sales still are only at 8%, so 92% of sales are still brick-and-mortar locations, and you'll see a lot of online stores. So a lot of times I just shut off that media of what's really happening if you drive around. You're like, okay, so what? That one store closed. They were terrible anyways, and they make a big deal out of it, like the whole world's closing. I saw Party City. I don't know if you're familiar with that, tenant like a party store, they're pretty yeah. big around here, but they're closing forty five stores because they said they couldn't get enough helium. They couldn't buy enough yeah, helium. I heard that sorry,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and so it's it's interesting of why a business will close, but you know, as long as you can't I mean you still people still want to go engage and be out with people eating. I mean the restaurants here, I don't know about where I know you're in a beautiful place but, you know, you can be here and have a 30, 40 minute wait to go at a restaurant.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, what you say is very, very interesting because today even I, I wrote uh, or I read a very interesting article about the like direct to consumer trend. Like, you know, everything is going online. All the intermediaries are, are being cut off. And the study showed that, yes, they start online. They go directly to the consumer um Harris uh is is, is one uh, one example or the dollar chef Shave, chef's uh, club or casper um mm-hmm. and then once they grow they go retail they go brick and mortar and then suddenly 80 percent of their uh, of all their st- sales is being conducted um offline so you see like even those new entrants are then converting to to retail so uh, and also on the other end i mean whoo- if you don't know, or like, if if you say it's not getting getting close, so uh, then we have directly the expert on the floor and on the ground. You know, like it's very interesting when you like then listening to the uh, listening to the radio and say, okay, so you guys tell me uh, the truth. I, I can tell yeah. you much better because I'm directly um, I'm directly on at the forefront.
1: Yeah, people still, I know I, for example, still have to go feel it, touch it, look it, hold it, you know, and all that versus, I I still buy online too, stuff that, you know, not that important, but Yeah. yeah, it's definitely changing, and you have to, like you mentioned, follow what the trends are and be on top of it, but the retailers with social media are really having to step up their game compared to before all they do is open the doors and hope people came, you know, would come to their store. Now they're really having to step it up and be really innovative to stay in business, which I completely love. It's kind of up their game a lot on a lot of them or some of them are trying out pop-up stores, you yeah. know, in locations. So a lot of really neat things are happening in our retail business.
0: About the pop-up stores, you are really assisting them to also enter and also enter the market and also expand the market or expand their business. What are the let's say the challenges and also maybe the, the fears they are facing where you feel like okay, I really need to guide them through and I really need to let's say um, lower their 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 fear uh, because it might be a little bit too overwhelming for them. What is there the process and the relationship you are creating with them?
1: Well, I I personally haven't done any pop-up stores myself, but I I just saw, I think it was the Tiffany's breakfast place was opening up in Beverly Hills for two days. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how they do. I have a good friend that she helps several pop-up stores that will try the Dallas market out for three months, to you know, to see what type of interest they get. And so I just find it really interesting. There's one company that has created throughout the world that you can go rent a space for a day, mm-hmm. or you know, a variety of times instead of just having that space sit vacant. Because, you know, instead of thinking you have to sign a three or five year lease, Mm
0: -hmm. they'll just
1: let you try it out. But I think that's really fun. We have this candy company Mm -hmm. um, that just opened up a pop store and it's a great place. A lot of people are taking their Instagram photos down there and it's been a huge hit. And so I think it's just a great business to get into.
0: Absolutely uh and concerning the the normal brick and mortar uh, stores um what is your process there with the with the owners Uh, because i assume that uh, a lot of them only have like one store or is that what you're dealing with uh most of them are also already like kind of um, a a chain of 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 different uh, retail stores
1: i work with both
0: Mm -hmm. i i work with national
1: tenants that have you know, it's definitely a lot easier sell when you're working with a national tenant because a lot of those landlords want that tenant versus, but then some of the other stores like a unique restaurant or one of a kind in their retail center too. So I, you know, I'll work both. I just really have to screen the tenant to make sure that they know exactly up front what they're signing, if they're willing to do the personal guarantee, how much it's going to cost with all of the rents and triple nets and really walking them through that. Mm-hmm. So I, I work with both. I mean, I like to help both. I just last year, I think it was last year, might have even been the year before, but I was helping a young lady, 18, decided not to go to college and open up her first, she's a third degree black belt, to open up her first taekwondo store. Wow. And so that was really fun to find her a great location. She had done a business plan. She helped negotiate the whole lease with her parents, but they really had her do everything. And the landlord approved her, you know, going in. So that was a lot of fun and she's doing great in that location. And I love to hear success stories like that.
0: Yes, exactly. It's great to see like also exactly those small success stories. And uh, yes, the corporations obviously, they're good but it's also good to have like the local support and have like a diverse community with, uh, with the Two studio. That's amazing. Yes. And that's fun. Any final, uh, thoughts and final, final, uh, words you would like to share?
1: No, I mean, yeah, people from around the world are, are buying land in Texas, but there's still plenty, plenty to go around. So if, if, you ever have any interest in buying some or want to bring your concept here, you know, just give me a call. I can help you through the process. Or if you want to invest in commercial real estate, primarily in Texas because I am a Texas broker and, you know, know where our, hopefully at most of the profitable, you know, I, I try to, I have, a, you know, several tenants. The reason they come to me is with my restaurant background have a couple tenants recently that it's now their number one location just knowing the market way ahead of time who's coming to you know find those locations for them so I'd love to help help you know work with people that are interested in commercial real estate here in the Texas market perfect
0: Pamela, thank you so much for your insights, for uh, everything you are talking about, uh, for also giving me a quick introduction to the Texas uh, real estate market. Um, I, I definitely need to go and come to Plano. Uh, <laughs> sounds and looks like an, like an awesome destination to, uh, to, um, to spend some time. Um, I really thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure having you and uh, we talk soon.
1: All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.